Welcome to Trans Mafia. I'm Blue. This is Orion. And how's everybody out there in Mafia land? I hope you're all well. How was your week? It was actually good, but let's talk about your week because I don't know anything about what happened with your week. My week was okay. Um, I, it was a really busy week for me. I, I, got, yeah. I became extremely disappointed in the trans community this week. Um, so the end of the month, the 27th and 28th, they're having the National Trans March in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bunch of people are really excited to go, including me. And last year, I want to say maybe February or March, somewhere around there, they offered travel scholarships for people who couldn't afford to go, right. which I thought was really cool of them. Mm-hmm. So I didn't hear anything, didn't hear nothing, didn't hear nothing. So like two weeks ago, I sent her a message. I'm like, hey, what's up with the travel scholarships? I got to take time off work. I got to tra- plan my trip. What's going on? Oh, we'll let you know next week. Okay. Well, then I got an email saying that they had rescinded the travel scholarship because they couldn't afford them all anymore. Cool. And it's like, well, what about the people that took time off work you can't schedule a last-minute cheap ticket on two for, especially for just for overnight. They can't afford another night in a hotel in two Across weeks. Across the country, yeah. From here, like the whole thing was just completely ridiculous. And I'm okay with not going. I'm okay with losing my scholarship. Like that's not the point. But the point to me, the point is like you know these people that were. I, in fact, I have a, um, a message on Facebook from somebody. You know they had planned on going. This is their first time going. They were so excited. They mm. just come out of the closet. For sure. As trans, right? Yeah, right. And now mm-hmm. they can't go. Right. Because they can't afford it. And to me, when people do stuff like this, they need to think of the deeper picture because that could really push somebody who is freshly out and and really on the edge Mm -hmm. over the edge. Right. Well, that's a very, it feels very bait and switch. Yeah. And if they weren't 100% sure, they shouldn't have said that they had it and then pulled it back because then we would have never known, but now we know. And a lot of times I feel like there's great ideas and good intentions, Mm -hmm. but then when it comes down to it, people don't a lot of times want to fund trans people for some reason, Um, so. Well, some of them got funded and some didn't. They didn't pull the scholarships from everybody, Mm -hmm. so So I don't know how. Who did they pick? Well, like my friend Christian from Georgia, Mm -hmm. he kept his scholarship. So like, I don't know how they decided who they kept and who they didn't keep. That's another thing that concerns me. It's like, what they do, pick from a hat or what? Like, you know what I mean? So I just think the whole thing is kind of, all the sponsors know what happened now. But, well, cool. You know, <laughs> I just think that it's kind of, if you're going to do something like that, be very, very careful about what you promise people and that you can't fulfill because people are really um, relying on that. Um, you know, it's just, I just think the whole thing is kind of shady. And yeah. Shitty, to be honest. Yeah. Shady and shitty. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad. I mean, it really is unfortunate um, the way that happens. I have a visitor here from Washington State who is going to talk a little bit later in the show, but. Um, Before we get into that, I wanted to, okay, first a correction, I did say San Jose, I meant Santa Fe, which are totally two different places. I didn't even catch that too, you told Um, me No, (laughs) Laurel told me. I was like, oh, by the way, you said San Jose, and I was like, oh, shit. Um, So Santa Fe, Um, anyway, I said I was going to talk about their drop-in center in Albuquerque. So it is called the Transgender Resource Center of New Mexico. I was, I got a little tour when I was there. The guys that started it were not there, but they have a big group of of volunteer staff there. They do a lot of crossover with the, um, a lot of other organizations there. And actually when I was there, like the Catholic charities were stopping by for, I don't know what they do, if they did housing or showers or whatever they did, but I got a tour of their system. So they do have a, they have a needle exchange. They have um, education. They have like coloring books for people to do. They like got a trans coloring book. 
Um, they also have a garden out back, which I kind of joked, hey, if you eat these vegetables, will you become extra gay? And they absolutely said yes, um, which I was happy that they had a sense of humor. They also have like a kitchen and they do feed people. They have a lending library. Um, they don't have showers, but they're gonna be moving to a new uh, building soon, so they're hoping to actually pick somewhere with that has showers so people can come in, because of course they're serving underserved populations that could definitely use a shower. Um, but it w it's interesting because they serve a lot of indigenous communities there. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a huge, lot of Native huge American Native population down there. Yeah, and that was really neat to see because like I walked in, I saw a bunch of white people. I was like, okay, we're in the south, and then like. As the further I got back there, I saw more POC, and that was really nice because, I mean, Albuquerque is a mixed bag. So, um, but I really I liked the vibe there. It's right by the college, um, and I don't know. It was it was very cool. I thought it was very well run considering like it was mostly volunteers. It seemed like they had their shit together. So that was really really nice, um, and I want to give kudos to them. So they have trans-masculine and trans-feminine support groups, non-binary, parents and youth play group, uh, youth group 25 and under, Santa Fe group. So they do have a meeting in Santa Fe and they also have a Las Cruces group um, once a month. So they travel out to do groups in some of the smaller towns that are a little further away from um, Albuquerque. Uh, and gosh, they just, they do kind of everything. Everything that like yeah. a center, it's really what they offer and what they actually do is a really ideal for a trans center. Cause yeah, they do touch on HIV and ID documents and stuff like that. Yeah, one of my good friends lives down there. Her name mm. was Bunny Benton Cruz. Shout out Bunny. Uh, <laughs> and she provides lunch every week mm. for um, a bunch of homeless trans people down cool. there. So I send her a little bit of money every week. It's not a whole bunch, but even just sponsor something to drink. Um, what she does is amazing. I mean, she feeds yeah. probably close to 100 people a week, you know. Yeah. So if you are looking for somewhere to donate a couple bucks, um, send it down to Chan's Resource Center in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to eat market for their lunch, you can get a hold of me and I can direct mm -hmm. you to Benny, to Bunny. Um, but it's it's an amazing it's amazing what they do down there. When I first met Adrian yeah. a couple years ago, one of the founders, and he was just an amazing guy and kind mm -hmm. of got me started on my path to advocacy a little bit mm -hmm. um, with his advice and yeah. mentorship. So yeah, a lot. It really is really cool how they reached out to a lot of different um, charities and a lot of different nonprofits, yeah. not just ones that would be gung-ho for trans right. stuff, but actually ones that I was like, oh, Catholic Charities showing up. I'm like, okay, how's that going? They're like, no, it's fine. Like, they're totally actually cool with us. And it's because the organization has run well. Right. I, I truly believe that because if you look like a hot mess, nobody wants to work with you. Yeah. Now I have a question for you. For so, yeah. Is there a cutoff age for the youth group or is it just up to age 25? It just says up to age 25, and it's probably because funding for youth programs is like, it's usually up to 25. Yeah. So like they consider youth up to 25. That's why when you go to college, you yeah. can be on your parents' insurance till you're 25. Yeah. It's interesting um, because one of the other centers I'm, I know has a, their youth group is from 13 to 24. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, I don't know if I'd want my 13 yeah. year old hanging around 24 year old. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it seems but, like a really big span. But also in trans years, sometimes maturity doesn't happen. It, like you know, uh, like development is arrested because they're trying to just deal with who they are yeah. rather than like sexuality and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that's a little concerning because you're having like way under, you're having like high school and then young adults, and sometimes 
there's a big gap of difference. Between well, yeah, them. I mean, I know at the center here, like their their youth group, like I said, goes from 13 to mm -hmm. 24. But yeah. like the other, some of the older kids, even the high school kids, are outside smoking and doing right. all this stuff, and it's like, I some of the stuff they talk about is inappropriate mm -hmm. for 13 year olds. Mm -hmm. So I almost think sometimes there should be a second group for like 13 to 14 and under. Well, but you have to remember that 13, 14 is like when you go to high school. So mm -hmm. whatever they're hearing in high school, like they're gonna hear and <laughs> like I, I think that yeah. there should be a like two eighteen or to seventeen, thirteen to seventeen and then yeah. then an adult group, yeah. like a twelve. Yeah, that's that's right. It's the hard call when the funding is tight and you're trying to make a penny go, you know, turn into a hundred bucks. Yeah, you know? and youth funding, that's how they categorize youth funding. Yeah. So like when you're talking about youth, um, there's not a lot out there for mm -hmm. youth funding. And actually that is, those are the ages too for, I think it only goes up to 21 though for a foster. Yeah. So they call, you know, foster youth is still considered that like a lot of states keep foster youth on until they're like 21, 22 right. to try to like get them going. Um, I don't know how much it actually helps because eventually you get kicked off of it and you have to deal with your own shit. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. I have feelings about that too. I have feelings about that too. It's hard because we were, um, before we had Finn, we were looking at adopting possibly an older LGBTQ child in the system. Mm. But the thing we found out it was, it, is it really would have been better for us to foster them and let mm -hmm. them age out of the system mm -hmm. because they get to keep a lot of the benefits. They could go to college for free, they get healthcare for the rest of their life. And so it's like, well, you want to give this kid some sort of permanency mm -hmm. and the same token, you kind of want to do what's best for them. And mm -hmm. sometimes, unfortunately, because of the way the system works, it's not always giving them permanency and adoption. Yeah. And that that's, that's really kind of a, yeah. that just sucks. It yeah. kind of sucks. Yeah but that's the way the system works. Yeah, I mean, I've thought about if I ever like wanted to have a foster kid, they give you, you know, so much money to foster. Right. And I would flat out take like two thirds of it and put it into a savings account. Yeah. So as soon as that kid was ready to go off on their own, they'd have like a nest egg because there is no nest egg. That's why kids that are in the system end up being adults in the system, however that ends up being. Well, and they don't teach them any life skills nope. either. That's the nope. other thing. So even if they did have a nest egg for them, you can't have a kid, oh, here, we saved $10,000 for you. Just go do what you want to do. Right, right. Because they don't teach them how to do basic household stuff unless they're in a really good placement when they get re when they get um, released from, from, the assist from the system. But like, they don't know how to do any of that. Balance a checkbook, apply for a job. It's, you know, so yeah. I don't know, flaws in the yeah. system. Navigating filing taxes and even like just getting basic medical care regularly. Sometimes these kids haven't had it because they've been bounced around so much as kids, so. Yeah. Anywho, uh, we didn't have any deaths this week that I saw. I didn't see any more deaths. We they, did. They do, we did. They found another woman burned in a car. Another one? Yes, there was two. Was it B? No. Oh, it was a different Actually, one. I'm sorry, it wasn't a car, it was a house. Oh, okay. Her name was Bubba. Okay. Um, they, the firefighters. That makes me really happy. I know, okay. right? <laughs> um, yeah, the firefighters went to put out a fire uh, in, let me see where it was. Um, and they found her remains in the house. She was, it was she was an older um, black trans woman. Okay. Uh, it was in North Carolina. Another one in North Carolina. They found her burned beyond recognition in a weekend fire in a, demo, in, in a house in North Charlotte, North Carolina. That's sad. Was it purposeful or do um, She was purposely murdered, yes. Okay. The house, as far as being lit on fire, um, I don't know. Um, but it just seems like um, they're not just, we're not, they're not just killing us. Like, they're torturing us. I mean, it's getting more and more violent, the way that they're attacking and 
is and, it getting more violent or is it just always that way but now it's being actually recognized in media because I when whenever hearing about trans women it's never like oh a trans woman was gently no, laid I mean I feel like it's always been violent it's always been violent but it just seems like it's getting more and more like I mean yeah they'll shoot people and stab people but now they're like burning them and like it's like I I don't understand. I understand that part of it has to do with this douchebag in the White House. Well, yeah, because you know, it's President Pussy people. Grabber empowers people to act like assholes. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I just, it, I don't know. This 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 year TDOR is really going to be uh, going to be something. <laughs> yeah. And not a good not a good sort of something, you know. Yeah. So. Well, all we can do is support, and and if you see something, I know it's goofy, but if you see something, say something, because yeah. if you know that, that your trans friend is not in a good relationship with people, because a lot of times these are intimate partner violence type situations, you know, talk to them, like try to say, because like you can't rescue them, but you can be like, you can come over, you can stay with me, have a plan to get out, that kind right. of a thing, because domestic violence is very, very real in trans women and trans women's relationships, so. Yeah. yeah, and that's not talked about a lot of times, and a lot of times, you know, when people call the police for domestic violence situations in the LGBT community, the cops just kind of blow it off because like, oh, they're LGBT, what does it matter? That doesn't really happen in LGBT. I had a cop say that one time, domestic violence happens in LGBTQ relationships? And I looked at him and I said, yes, assholes can be in any relationship. Because it's the truth, right? Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't, violence doesn't discriminate. The person is the well, one who controls that. But you know they're not saying LGBT, they're saying LG right. relationships. pretty much. Because they think that it has to be, like, opposite gender to have violence toward. And I'm like, have you seen people be violent towards each other? Because I have. There was a trans woman that was driving, I think, for Lyft or Uber. I think it was Lyft in um, mm -hmm. Portland that was attacked a couple days ago. In her car? In her car. Oh shit. They found out that she was trans and the, the passenger beat the shit out of her and it's like, you know, but then again we have places like in LA mm -hmm. at the bar, that one bar, I forget what it was, where they, uh, that one trans woman got kicked out mm -hmm. for being, for defending herself. Yes, yes, we still so need to talk about her. When we have yes. people like in public places like that, her. kicking us out for defending ourselves, that well, gives people the empowerment to think they can treat us and talk to us however they want. They're like, oh, and then yeah, they're really can. surprised when we defend ourselves. And then all of a sudden, oh, you're violent. Oh, you're you're difficult. Yep. Yeah, I am difficult because I'm tired of being disrespected. Well, and it just <laughs> becomes like you're not allowed to defend yourself. You just have to sit and take it mm -hmm. like a good little trance and, you know, be the whipping boy. Yeah. Or a girl. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, okay. So my mistake, I'm sorry I didn't catch that. That sucks. I don't want to have to report on that every week. That sucks. I'm, I'm and we shouldn't have to. to. Sometimes I even want to look at like my... Stop that. Not us necessarily stopping reporting, but like just... Ugh. I don't even want to look at my Facebook news feed sometimes because it's yeah. just like, what happened now? What did, wasn't, what did the president do now? Or what did what happened to the trans community now? Like it's right. just always something. And especially when you're like in the trenches of activism, it's really hard not to pay attention to that stuff because kind of stuff you yeah. need to. Yeah, but it's, it's like I've had to take a mental check out mm -hmm. because it's just, it's too much. I yeah, can't, I that's, can't. That's kind of why I like do facecations. Like yeah. I take vacations from Facebook. People are like, oh, did you blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, nope, I didn't because yeah. I'm dealing with people every day in crisis and I don't really need that extra shit that I, in my free time, I'm looking at. No, I shut my I shut my social media down for two days and just spent that whole two days almost with my kid. And that was probably yeah. the best two days ever. Oh, good, just, good. I'm glad you did Kind of just reset myself and, yeah. you know, I needed to do that. Yeah.
All right, so we're here with James, and um, he's going to tell us a little bit about his coming out and some discrimination that he faced with work. Um, this story is important. It did happen 10 years ago. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet everybody. Ago, yeah. I'm James. Um, it's been a little while, yeah. Yeah. So, um, first of all, like, what kicked off your transition? How did that start for you? Like, what was the, the tipping point? The tipping point? Um, well, that's really hard to answer. I mean, I think um, I had a very supportive partner at the time who showed me that, that as odd as it sounds, that transitioning would be an aspect that I could do when before I just thought that I had no options and had to live with the body that I had, which I was not happy with, but um, having supportive partner help and um, letting that partner know that's how I felt about um, inside. And then that partner being like, well, you know, you have this option and that option, which I didn't know could be possible. What do you mean this option and that option? The option of taking testosterone. I didn't even know there was such a thing as odd as that sounds. I just thought I was stuck in the body that I had. I didn't know there was surgeries that could be done to help help a person feel better um, for how they feel inside and uh, hormonal therapy, etc. Okay. So, um, what you were part of, like in the lesbian community before, right? Right. For um, I came out to my mom when I was around 18 and did the lesbian life or lived as a lesbian for until I was probably 38. That's a long time to be in that community. And again, it, as funny as it sounds, I just didn't know that transitioning was an option, but I never really felt that I was a part of the lesbian community. I thought it was, you know, um, always on the outside. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so when you started transitioning or you got to the point where like you actually started to physically transition because you probably were going through that for a while mentally, um, what happened with that community and you? Well, I got kind of ostracized a little bit and I lost some friends. Um, the, uh, some, it's interesting that the own gay community or at least the lesbian one that I experienced, some of them didn't understand about transitioning mm -hmm. and um, just thought I was trying to be super butch or whatever. Um, and a few of them tried to have me do some drag king shows, which for me, I didn't think was appropriate because I'm transitioning, I'm not trying to dress as another gender. I, I mean, I don't... It's all the time, it's not just on stage. Right, yeah. it's all the time, and it's not a dress thing, and and I'm not really a performer anyway. I, I'm a behind-the-scenes type of a guy, but um, but it was interesting. Um, so, I mean, a few friends were like, uh, it was just I was on a different space, so I just stopped kind of hanging around a few people. Were you an 80s baby? 
No, I grew up in the seventies actually. Okay. Um, I'm um, I'm pretty I'm older. Seventies okay. um, and eighties and and you know graduation around the nineties. Yeah, I graduated so. from high school in ninety three. Yeah. I was born in seventy five, but yeah. we talked about mentioned a couple weeks ago. Like during that time, like the later end of the seventies and then the eighties and even into the early part of the nineties, people were still not even wrapping their head around LGBT. Right. So when you threw the T in there, they're like, what the fuck is that? Gender what? Issues you can, you know, all this stuff about gender was coming out and people were just right. gobsmacked. They didn't know what to do. And so like, I didn't even know how, I didn't even know I could possibly transition. Right. I'd, I'd seen trans women, but I, at the time, honestly, in my mind, now I can honestly say I thought they were drag queens or crossdressers because I didn't realize the difference. Yeah, I didn't either. You know? And I, like I was explaining just a few minutes ago, I didn't know it was a possibility. Mm -hmm. um, it was pretty much underground and, and yeah. uh, now I think, well, if I could have transitioned when I was a hell of a lot younger, that would have been fantastic. But I didn't even do that until I was around 38. So, um, and I started transitioning um, probably just a few months before Chaz Bono announced that he was coming out and doing his transition. So it was kind of cool that I did it and then he came out and did his thing a few months later and that helped me. Um, yeah. Feel like you weren't alone. Right, exactly. So I know like you were working at the time. Um, how did you break it to HR? Like how did you transition at work? So I was under care and um, had counseling and it seemed to me, and I really didn't have a direction with my counseling, didn't really give me much information on how I could proceed with that. Was it just more further your letter? Uh, it was just more for my letter, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a whole nother story that I could go into uh, <laughs> that I won't waste here about how I got into a gateway situation with one of the doctors. But anyway, um, I work for st uh, state service um, in state government, and it's supposed to be pretty professional. And on my own thoughts, I thought it would be better to just be open. So I immediately went to HR department and I said, I am going to be transitioned. And the first thing that they said is, you are not the first person to be transitioning with the state and we will help you. It was actually a pretty positive thing. So then they um, set up a meeting with me and a couple of the management's position, people who were above me. And um, I'm not sure if my own supervisor might have been involved too, but they just went over, okay, um, this is what he's doing. How do we, um, how do we proceed, and what do we say and do this correctly? And the management asked HR a few questions, and they answered them. So it was actually a pretty good experience. And I worked on the second floor of the building, and I offered to use the bathroom downstairs until I got further into my transition. So, and that's something that I offered in using the men's bathroom, so they would be more comfortable. Right. And then after I had top surgery, then I started using the bathroom near my desk. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, top surgery at that time was not paid for. No, that was not insurance. Yeah, that was not no insurance, insurance for that. That was ten grand. Wow. 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 Yeah. Yeah, see, I started transitioning. I, I had, I've had my first, I had two top surgeries, I had a correction, mm -hmm. but I had my first top surgery in TJ because insurance at the time was, wasn't, still wasn't covering it. And then my correction was covered by insurance, but it's like, never in my wildest dreams I think insurance would ever cover anything like that. Right. I mean, when we started transitioning, we never ever thought, I didn't even think I'd be able to get my name changed because it was so expensive and right. so, so hard to achieve. I'm like, uh -huh. everything's yeah. expensive. I mean, the, the name change to the um, getting the letters and all mm -hmm. the therapy sessions you're paying for, which are like, well, at my time was $80 a pop. Um, 
when my counselor found out I was working for the state uh, and had pretty com money coming in, she just prolonged the, which should have been a three month experience yeah. and, uh, to eight months. Yeah, and there was, mm. back in the day, there was like a certain amount of time you had to go to therapy for, the, yeah. for you to get the note. And she knew that was wrong. She since packed up and went to Canada, you know, after that whole, you know, doing that to all the trans guys in that area, which is not right. One thing I mentioned to do when I'm talking to younger trans kids, though, um, not so much kids, but youth, you know, like up to 17, 18, even 21 to an extent, but like they don't realize that a lot of the stuff that they can easily achieve now is because we had to fight for it. Right. Going yeah. out and just getting hormones. Things. Yeah, they, not... they don't understand. We couldn't just do that. Yeah, I mean, along yeah. the lines, you know, I lived in one city and I had to drive a half an hour up north just to get um, the testosterone treatment from the doc specified doctor because yeah. there was one, a city a half an hour away even though there is another um, office in my own town. Right. And now, today, they have three of them that are yeah. in my town. Yeah. yeah. So a lot's changed, yeah. yeah. Um, so you went out and got your top surgery. Do you mind um, talking about uh, who your doctor was and are you happy with your top surgery or? Oh, very happy with my top surgery. I am lucky that I got Dr. Brownstein before oh. he t retired. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> famous Dr. Brownstein. Um, he was very comforting, um, and uh, uh, that was pretty much my first surgery I'd ever gone through, and he did a terrific job. Yeah, Dr. Bronson was amazing. Uh, when he retired, I was kind of sad, but he left Dr. Crane uh, behind who he trained. Dr. Crane was amazing also. He's in Austin, uh, I think. Yeah, I'm sure. Austin, Texas, but right. I think he's doing more um, bottom surgeries now than he's doing top surgeries anymore. But. That's one good thing that came out of the 80s, besides all this advocacy that changed things, was doctors that were trained, because the older doctors right. trained the newer doctors, you know, so we could still have really good medical care. Yeah, right. that's cool. And to an extent, continuing. Yeah, absolutely. You know. So I know that you transitioned at work, um, and you had some, like, shitty stuff happen at work because mm. you transitioned at work. Yeah, um, along with the gift stuff, there's probably usually always something <laughs> like a bad apple that's got to ruin it for everybody, right? <laughs> I mean, um, so, now. right, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't get me started in that, but, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, so there was, well, at least two different people in my unit, um, women that I worked with, who didn't, who seemed a little bit um, homophobic and transphobic as well. One of them in particular, but they would just feed off of the negativity of each other and cause issues and um, within work. Um, so even before I transitioned, uh, there was a false, and I'm gonna, I don't know how much I can stress this, but a false sexual harassment things um, that came my way um, that was never, I was never notified about until a year later uh, because no nothing happened. And like a false accusation. Yeah, so basically that worker um, went to my supervisor and said, James said A, B, and C. Um, then my supervisor makes a uh, uh, decision, is that harassment? And my uh, supervisor's like, no, that's a statement. And then basically turned her away. And then she came back and said, well, then he said, you know, um, more stuff, this and that and that, and that wasn't uh, harassment either. It was just statements that she I had made. She kept going until she could find something that's harassing. Yeah, that's what she kept doing, and um, 
Uh, and that was when I was I still, that was before transition, when I was in the lesbian community, that that had happened. And then after I transitioned, um, there was another accusation. Uh, they were trying to get me to call out one of my coworkers about some drama that had happened. And they pulled me into an office and they said, and they had her, this woman who had accused me earlier in there. And she said, ask me a few questions. And basically I said, I do not know what you're talking about. And, um, then, she, and then she piped up in the meeting and said, well, let me try to help. And um, remember when we were hanging out on breaks and then I stopped hanging with you. And I'm like, yeah, I just thought you stopped wanting to talk to me or whatever. And she said, well, I think you sexually harassed me. So I took care of it, but I stopped talking to you. And I'm like, what? So I didn't, and so that's the cat that came out of the bag. I didn't even know until um, a year later. I don't know Washington state statutes as far as, I know in California, when even if it's just a statement, your manager's gotta come to you and say, hey, this person can uh, said this about you and FYI, it's the law that you know. And I don't know if Washington's like that or not. But I, I swear to goodness, I did not know for a whole year and was blindsided by all this information. I'm what like, was I- was the statement that she accused you of saying? Oh God, that's so long ago. I'm trying to remember something like, she was talking about how she went out or she was doing, I don't know the contents very well. You know, so I apologize, but I think I said something like, maybe you might be gay, mm -hmm. was the statement that originally oh, uh, okay. started the whole thing. And it's a statement. Right. It, it's not, you know. It's like telling somebody, I think you're a racist. Right. Or I think you're something else. I exactly. Mean, and in her mind, that was like me trying to hit on her, so. Um, but another thing people fail to realize, and I'm not talking about your specific situation, but a lot of times, especially in workplaces and other places, if they can't get us out of there, they'll make things up like sexual harassment just to get us out of there. Because yeah. they're so transphobic, they'll do anything they can do uh -huh. to get us out of a situation that they don't want to be because they don't want to be around us. Right. Well, here's an yeah. interesting theory, though. Um, my partner at the time said that a couple you know her and her friend might have actually found me attractive and didn't like that for themselves uh -huh. i know that's a weird yeah. scenario or situation but later on down the line this same woman said that she was attracted to another person who was in our office and uh, that guy's really hot oh he does the desk adjustments he comes in and doesn't mean oh he's hot and i'm and then i found out or heard about it i said that is a woman that's a lesbian <laughs> um, so you're attracted to again another lesbian person yeah. so maybe it's that might have you know oh, I don't want to be attracted to James he's first of all as a lesbian before transition now he's a guy I don't know what to think about it so I'm just gonna make up stories and try to get him fired I don't know you know so that shit happened so what <laughs> happened with that job in the end like what what was the how did it come to a conclusion or did it? What part come to conclusion the, of? The sexual harassment, the, all that kind uh, of stuff. Well, basically everything was dropped. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, when I got out of that meeting, actually, it was pretty, I was pretty shook up and the HR person came to my desk and he's like, first thing out of his mouth was that sucked. I'm like, yeah, it did suck. I totally didn't know what that had happened. Um, I was blindsided. And then I just said a statement like, um, you know, it, 
I hope that I don't have to, you know, sue the state over this type of thing. And he said, oh, we don't want that. I'm like, you're damn right you don't want that. Me suing the state. Um, and he's like, okay, well, you know, we're going to try to work it out. And so, and I'd almost forgotten this until you brought it up, but there's even more. Like, I tried to get them to move me to a different unit because this woman was in the same unit. At first I said move her because obviously there's a conflict. She doesn't want to work with me and it's stress and trauma working with somebody who's accused you of something that you absolutely think is gross and would never do, right? So I asked them to move her to a different unit. They wouldn't do it. I said, well, okay, forget that, move me. If you don't want to move her, move me. And they're like, we just can't put you in another position. And so um, eventually what happened is I just ended up resigning and left the state. So that's how that ended. Unfortunately, that is the ending to other people's trans issues and employment and stuff and in their hometowns because it's a lot of times it's easier just to leave and deal with it. Right. It's easier to start over mm-hmm. in, a place, in a place that nobody knows you and nobody knows what happened. Right. Um, and even at that, like, it's hard to get a job then because you're, you know, trying to get a reference. You know, like, I can't use this place because I don't know what they're going to say. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's all these things. So one little incident can cause all this compounding stuff right. and really uproot somebody's whole life. Yeah. I mean, I, you know? I do want to be kind of clear. It wasn't that drastic because right. I did know I was going to be leaving the state anyway right. and moving to L.A. with my partner at the time. But I was trying to save up more months and money to get that going. And I left way earlier and experienced my first anxiety attack that I, in fact, I didn't even know what was happening to me. I had the sweaty palms and the shaking, and I'm like, I need to get out of here. I need to quit now. And uh, and then later on, did I realize that I had experienced a full-on anxiety attack? Um, and so I basically just went to HR and tried to, you know, talk to my partner over the phone that I'm, you know, I'm having this attack and I need to leave now and. You know, um, they told me, go talk to HR first. So I did. And they were offering me all this, you know, leave without pay thing. And I'm like, but I still got to come back and I'm not getting paid. And I'm like, you know what, just please give me your resignation letter and I will leave today. And and for a week after, it was so much trauma that I'd wake up in the morning and think, oh my God, I got to go back to work, like all anxious and be like, oh, that's right, I quit and I don't have to go back there yeah. ever again. And that happened for about two weeks at least. Definitely so, sounds like a yeah. hostile work environment and also Absolutely. like trauma. So probably mm-hmm. PTSD from, from the trauma experienced at the workplace. Yeah, I mean, I'm still getting over my PTSD from the center. Yeah. I mean, it really, I, it was a year ago, actually, uh, Friday, Thursday, well, the 11th was, but um, and really it, it kind of, brings you down as an individual because you, it, it, if you let it, it can really um, attack your self-worth, mm-hmm. it can attack your self-esteem, you know, and it's like for a long time I was kind of afraid even like the first six months after I got fired, I was like, I didn't want to apply for a job because I was kind of like, what am I going to do? Can I trust them for a resume? That's all I ever did. Can I right. still do the work? Like, right. all this stuff, Right. you know, and it's very, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot emotionally, it's a lot physically even if you take your toll on you. Yeah. I mean, I just hope for a time where people are just people. I mean, trans can be part of who you are, but it's not everything. And that's pretty much what I try to strive to is like, you know, you don't have to sit there when you're around me and keep thinking, oh, yeah, that guy's trans. I mean, I'm just a person or you don't sit there and think, oh, that 
person uh, has darker skin when you're conversating with them, unless you want to be like that. But I just hope a day where be uh, what people do is more important than you know. Well, well I'm trans, or my sexual orientation, or you know how you identify. So, I asked. I asked her, I'm sorry. I was talking a conversation with somebody who's, who identifies as a Christian last week. I said that quotation marks. And um, um, I, they asked me, they're like, how can you do something that's wrong? And I said, well, what? what you they're like, well, transitioning is wrong. And I said, how can you judge when God said not to do that? Like going well, against God's plan. I said, yes, you are. I said, you're <laughs> judging because of what you think. I said, what am I doing by transitioning that's bothering you? Right. How is it affecting you? Hmm. Well, it's not, but I just think it's wrong. I said, well, that's great that you think it's wrong. I said, but how about you keep your opinion to yourself? Right. I don't run up to every Christian I see and tell them they're a hypocrite because I don't know that about them. I don't assume right. that about every Christian. Right. You know, yes, some of them are. And that's the issue, aren't. yeah, the judging. I mean, and across the board, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, it just seems like everybody's trying to control everybody on community. all different yeah. levels, yeah. not just this community. I mean, I'm talking all things. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, quit controlling people yeah. and deal with your own shit, and maybe you'll be okay, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Be a decent human, you'll be okay. You don't have to worry about, like, yeah. Right. So now working, what's going on now with you working? You so, similar work, right? Uh, yeah, so I went back into state government again and back into Washington, which is something I thought I would never do. But, you know, um, I needed to go back to Washington, and that was the best option and I was surprised that I was able to get back in. I went to a different department um, and basically filling out the paperwork. I tried to go in as stealth but that didn't work because I had a long file of 12 years of previous state government work and when my supervisor hired me at this new department um, she went and did her due diligence and homework and polled my old department file and my old name and identification is all in there. And there's a form that she sent me, my supervisor who I was interviewing with, to fill out, um, you know, and it has a line on there that says, do you go by any previous names? And it says, if you don't put down that they won't hire you, basically, if you don't put down an honest about it. And I felt like, well, you know what, I just gotta do it. Because at the time, I didn't, all I thought was was a form. I had no idea she would pull all my file. I didn't find that out until after I um, got hired. But I put it on there, and she hired me anyway. In fact, she's hired another trans guy in our unit, too, as well. And she's probably, her and HR are the only people that know that I'm trans. And um, she doesn't treat me any different than anyone else. And it's pretty good environment. And... Um, as far as my coworkers go, they just think I'm a normal dude. Like I don't offer it. And I, and if you know, they come up to me and say, uh, "Well, I heard you might be trans," and I'm not going to deny it. But I'm also not going to go around and announce it either. Um, the other trans guy in the unit is a little more open than me. Um, he's got the flag up on his cubicle, and he wants to be a little more identified with that because we have a monthly committee at work that meets together with LGBT people at your lunch hour if you want to go do that. Um, but to me, I'm a little more um, <laughs> a little more quiet about it, you know. 
Because like I said before, I, I think there's more to me than just being trans and I would like to be like, you know, oh, that's the guy that does photography or maybe he does drums or something like hot, like other things, aspects about a person. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we're a lot, lot more than being trans. I mean, besides being trans, I'm a veteran, I'm a father, I'm a brother. Right. I, I like to cook. I'm exactly. A chef, I'm a bar back, I'm a maid, I'm a whole bunch of right, things. Right, a whole bunch of things. You know? Layers, right, and exactly. So it, mm-hmm. It's important sometimes not to just think of us as trans people, just think of us as human beings. We do a lot of things y'all do every day. Right. We get out of that the same way every day. We put our underwears on the same way every day. Like, yeah. none of that's changed. The only difference is for us, we had to work a little bit harder to find our authentic journey in life. Right. Which I think sometimes. We, I've seen a lot of trans people strive harder and work harder and do better work because there's this feeling that they have a de- deficit. Yeah, you have yeah. to like rise and mm-hmm. be better mm-hmm. to be just the same. You right. Saying? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I hope that I um, answered your questions about my journey with work and stuff like that. Um, it's definitely a tough deal, you know. But they're coming around. Is there anything else I can answer you, regarding that? Yeah, were you able to find support elsewhere? Like, not just your partner, but, like, with other people in the community? Or, like, how did you get through that shit? Um, yeah, so I, um, you get the counseling, which is some supportive. My counseling, like I mentioned before, wasn't... It was great at first, but then became an ordeal. But I won't go into that. I found also a um, trans guy uh, group... I don't know how I did that. I honestly don't remember. Like, that was so while back ago. Um, but there was a guy running it, and he did it at the local um, college there. Mm-hmm. And I went, and there was a few guys at first, and I think he was just starting it, actually. And then he, and then we added a few more guys. and um, So that was great support. I met um, a couple of friends through there. Um, uh, support through, um, through that is a really good thing. Um, yeah, I think that's all I gotta say about that. Yeah. Yeah. You're still friends with with these guys, or what? Uh, the leader of that group, yes. I mean, just through Facebook. In fact, well, he came over for a, a dinner party that I had recently. Okay, cool. Um, because I, I, and that's the only time I had moved away. Mm-hmm. So um, when I came back, uh, it took me a couple of years to get everything settled in my apartment, and then I had him come over. Um, but I'm not real close to him. At one point, he did try to get me to um, uh, lead his group or possibly take over. Uh, but I'm not that, again, I don't like the spotlight and being up front, and I get real anxiety like speaking in front of people. In fact, this is kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of a shy guy, like this is kind of, I hate my voice type of thing, and what's it going to sound like? And I get all nervous and anxious about that. Um, I, you know, but. I'm more than happy to try to share my stories if it helps anybody. That's what makes me come up and do this even though I am really kind of introverted and shy. But if the story that I tell is important and touch somebody and affects them in a positive way and they can relate, then that's what life is all about. Mm-hmm. I think when you can touch someone's life and say that help me or whatever that's the greatest gift of all yeah. well thank you so much for joining us and oh yeah you're and welcome us the information well thank we really you for having it. me yeah i appreciate it yeah thanks for coming james we appreciate hearing your story and um those are actual words well, of encouragement you. you know yeah um 
some of the stuff we talk about, I hope some youth listen to. Some of it, I hope they don't. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, stuff like this. So seriously, stuff like this, you know, I hope that, you know, if there's an adult that's listening to this, that they let a trans youth listen to this because they can get empowered by this and say, you know what? Great, yeah. It's easier. It can be easier for me. That's what I I want, yeah. It'll be okay. That'll be great, yeah. If just anybody can help would be great. Yeah, and I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Well, I hope everybody has an amazing week next week. Do you have any plans for next week? Anything exciting going on? Just back to work as usual. Um, gosh, do I have anything exciting? I don't know, but it's getting under 100 during the day, which I'm really, really yes, excited about. Yes, it's been hot as devil's balls here in Vegas. Yeah, I don't know. And it's been so much nicer, like under 100 or just hitting 100 rather than like in the teens. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the air conditioning doesn't have to be on like 100% of the time, just like right. 80%. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But I don't think I have any big plans. Just, you know, gathering, hunting and gathering for more of this. Yeah. This lovely podcast and yeah. and anything else going on. So, yeah, um, you know, drop, drop us a line. Uh, let us know if you go and visit the uh, Albuquerque Center. Um, you know, we hope that you guys, you know, keep communicating with us. Keep getting back to us. You know, share us with your friends. We really would like to get the word out, not just for our yeah. you know our own sick pleasure of course yeah. that's part of it but um but you know we're doing something different than i've heard a lot of other trans podcasts do we're not it's not just about one person's story it's about the community it's mm-hmm. about the the poc community the white community the individual stories but also like nationally and internationally what is happening um and so. if we've done something we shared some information some resource that helped you let us know that, you yeah. know, it helps yeah. us to know what resources are kind of needed out there. Mm-hmm. We're not uh, doing this podcast just to rant, although that's fun too. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. uh, or just to talk about ourselves, which is also fun. <laughs> but, you know, we, we want to share resource information and kind of share what's going on out yeah. there, even though sometimes it's not all good news. So Yeah, and I kind of want to do something We are something not responsible where... for that. Where every couple of weeks I actually want to look up a center in the U.S. Yeah. and see if I can do kind of a little shout out for them because I think that a lot of times we don't know where these centers are because they're so uh, grassroots right. roots and underfunded um, and yeah. there are some really great little centers yeah you know yeah. so alrighty well we are gonna sign off for now we hope everybody has an amazing um, Sunday go yes. home and watch some football if that's what you into and uh, we will see you next week all right bye for now bye